Well, welcome back, everybody, to the Rooted in Logos podcast, episode number 56. My name is Brad. I am joined, as always, by my dear friend, Austin. Austin, how you doing, brother? I am excellent. I'm living the American dream, and uh, I'm alive, so yeah, I'm Heck doing yeah. pretty good. How about you? Oh, doing great. Just, um, t- t- for some reason today, really tired. Not sure, not sure what happened. I actually went to bed at like 10 o'clock, you know? You had a pretty decently long weekend. I had a long weekend. Yeah. had a lot going on. Oh, my goodness. That, that, that whole story with the in-ear monitoring system, <laughs> we're not going to get into that because it just made me sad. Uh, and Bigger and brighter things. But we fixed it. It's yeah. fine. Um, <laughs> anyway, episode 56, we're really excited to be here again. So this week, we are going to do what we were supposed to do last week before we... Spent the entire time just on <laughs> some of these evil things going yeah. on. I, I, if you didn't listen, for whatever reason, I encourage you to go back, check that episode out. And I thought it was honestly one of the more important episodes we've we've done in these fifty now 56 episodes. It's one of the ones, I, I, I hate to use this word, but there's not a, another great word for it. It's one of the ones I'm most proud of, just because of what we talked about, what we discussed, and the truth that we brought to light, like you said, exposing the evil. So yep. before we get started, though... With verses out of context, which is what we're doing again today. This is our second time doing that episode because it's it's so common to take verses out of context. I mean, you obviously have the common ones that we discussed the first time we did this, where we talked about, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, be still and know that I am God, where two or more are gathered. We talked about that a lot. Oddly enough, I listened to a podcast today about where two or more are gathered and about how that's taken out of context. Now, I really like something he said real quick, and then we're going to dive into this. He made the point, Dale Partridge, by the way, Real Christianity Podcast, great stuff. This is Austin's fault that I'm, I don't know if obsessed is the right word, but now I listen to it every week. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) But he made the comment, he said, you know, the verse where two or more are gathered, when when a pastor says it or someone from the stage says it and and takes that up context, it's it's not a theologically harmful way of of using that passage. It, It doesn't dive into heresy right it, it's not taken in a in a horrible way he, he but he said what it does is it, it kind of sounds an alarm or it should sound an alarm that the people who are leading you and teaching don't know how to interpret scripture or that they're just not getting the bigger picture of the context of right. scripture and, and they're not able to use proper hermeneutics and use proper interpretation of, of what this actually means and so while they're not diving into heresy they're also not using the verse properly and, and doing what it says and so I encourage you guys, go back and listen to that episode. Uh, the first one we did on this, it'll be different verses than what we're talking about today. Uh, so we're, we're excited about that. Uh, so one thing before we get started, though, we have to talk about the slap heard around the world. Just for like two minutes. I promise it's not going to be a big rant. But as all of you know at this point, whether you've watched the Oscars or not, which I promise you I haven't watched the Oscars in probably my entire life, to be I've, honest I've with you. I've never watched it. I may have watched like... One award given out for because a movie I liked was, you know, nominated or something. I, I don't watch it. I think it's garbage. It's just rich people saying how amazing they are, yep. and I, I, it annoys me. But uh, Will Smith, who as an actor I kind of enjoy some of his movies. He's a good actor. Uh, just hold up and just smacked my man Chris Rock right across the face. And, and here's here's why this bothers me. There's a couple reasons why. One. It's the height of privilege where he can just walk up on stage in the middle of the Oscars, slap a man, and nothing happens to him. Nothing. Yeah. Like he's not going to have any negative side effects to this or consequences to this. I don't. I don't think. I mean, granted, it is Chris Rock's prerogative if he presses charges or not. I get that, and he decides not to. That's fine. That's on him. No one else could have done that, right? I mean, it's just the height of privilege. Yeah. So that bothers me because they constantly talk about privilege and how it's terrible, and yet they're the most privileged. But but here's. <laughs> Here's what really bothers me, and this goes back a little bit to what we talked about last week, about men being men and standing up for their wives, standing up for their families, protecting their families. Will Smith, on the surface, you're thinking, oh, he's protecting his wife's honor. You know, he's standing up for his wife because he was make- Chris Rock was making fun of his wife and this medical condition she has, and he's, you know, he's standing up for her. Good for him. Bravo. Okay. Do a little research on uh, Will Smith's marriage, and you'll find uh, that he is in an open marriage. And his wife is allowed to um, have relations with any man she wants without consequence. I, I, uh, just the height of hypocrisy there. Yeah. I don't know. It just, it that bothers me. Like, that to me is just like, come on, man. Like, yeah. 
you're not a knight in shining armor at this point. You're, you, what sounds to me is like this whole open marriage is kind of getting to you, and you finally snapped, <laughs> and you just snapped on Chris Rock and not on your wife. Yeah. But I don't know. Well, it's interesting because I did. I watched the clip. <laughs> oh, I saw the clip too. Of course, because <laughs> uh, Chris Rock said it, and then it pans over to them, and her face just drops. But then Will Smith's face is he he's cracking up. He's just cracking up. And then he looks over and sees his wife and that she's not laughing. And he's like, oh, okay. And then he <laughs> then, yeah. then he gets up. It's like, oh. Huh. Anyway, I just feel like we talk about culture a decent amount on this ep- on this on this show. And, you know, we we stay current, current events. That's part of it's one of my purposes in this is to ha- talk about current events, not every episode, but sometimes. And uh, that's just a current event that everyone's talking about. And if we didn't say anything about it, I feel like we would have, I don't know, been missing out on something. We just had to say something. That's okay, though. I don't know. Anyway. (laughs) Left out of secular things. That's okay. Sometimes it's it's a good, not a bad thing. So anyway. All right. Anyway. Anyway. (laughs) We're going to dive into some verses that are commonly taken out of context. So kind of this episode is going to be a different format. Austin actually going to start and go through all three of his. Because his third one overlaps with mine, and mine are all on kind of one subject. And so Austin's going to talk about a couple of uh, verses that that he hears taken out of context a lot. I'll, of course, probably chime in with my opinions because, you know, I can't let Austin talk too long. (laughs) Totally kidding. Uh, (laughs) It's all right. I'll do the same for you. It's cool. But, you know, and we'll just dive into these and and hopefully shed some light on, on these verses. And if you find yourself taking these verses the way we're going to talk about them. Hopefully this challenges you to read the scriptures, read the Bible and develop a better hermeneutic, develop a better ability to interpret scripture. Because that's one of our goals here is to show the Bible in context and discuss what it says with, with the proper perspective. Scripture interprets scripture. Yeah. And we have to know that we have to understand there are things that people use and take out of context that are detrimental to the faith and that lead people to hell. And we're going to talk about a few of those today. Yeah. That verses that people take out of context that are leading people away from Christ and ultimately to hell. Stumbling, so, stumbling stones. Stumbling um, blocks, yeah. And we'll, we'll dive into that. So, Austin, without further ado, give me your first one. So, the first one's kind of a small one. It is Psalms chapter 46. Verse 6. Actually, uh, verse 5. So I'll read it and then we'll, we'll back up and go forward and get some context. So it says, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. So a lot of times this is, this is used, uh, a lot of women use this and they're like, oh, well, God is in my midst and he shall, when, when with me, I shall not be moved. And, and this, it's supposed to be a, a building up verse, which I get. I, I get that. But again, making sure that you're not using scripture in the wrong way. As as we've said a lot, you know, I can do all things through a verse taken out of context. Right. And and this is, it's a smaller one, but it is very, very much the case. So going back a verse, verse four, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdom totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, Salah. So, number one, her. When it's talking about her in she shall not be moved, it is talking about the city of God. And we, we see this throughout scripture several times. It's it's talking about a city. It's talking about wisdom. Wisdom all throughout Proverbs is recognized as a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even today we use it as ships. We call ships she or her. Give her a wide berth. We have entire languages that are gendered languages. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Spanish being the most obvious one. Yeah. Where it's L and La. And they end in O or A. Yeah. In in the uh, you know for their for their words, and yep. it's a gendered language. Yep. Doesn't mean that everything's feminine, like a la escuela, which is what school, right? 
I, I think. I don't know. I might be wrong. Facts know, are optional sometimes. I know. El Pollo, pollo Loco. Yeah. That's about it. But El Pollo, right, is chicken. Doesn't necessarily mean it's a male chicken every time. Like, yeah. It, yeah. It's just a gendered language. And that's what, that's what we're seeing here. Yeah. Yeah. And again, referring to not a woman, but referring to uh, a city, referring to a city of God. So just kind of a small one taken out of context right there. Now, the other one... A little bit bigger. A little bit bigger. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. And we're I'm going to read a couple different translations, and the, this might help with some understanding. So, starting in verse 11. Now, these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction, on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation he will also provide the way to escape, or of escape, that you may be able to endure it. Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. So, Context, chapter 10, he is talking about idolatry, which is idol worship. It's putting things in front of God. Now, I want to read it again, but this time I want to read it in a different, uh, different translation. All right, so reading from the King James. Now, all these things happened unto them for an example, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore... Let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. There hath no temptation that taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye be able to bear it. So, Looking at this from the standpoint that most everybody looks at it, it is, and this is where it is taken out of context, it is, God will never give you more than you can handle. And as we dive into this a little bit, we will see how that is not quite true. Well, and let me, let me point out, too, that even got me, even today. I had to second-guess myself and say, wait a minute, isn't there... <laughs> and so, like, I did. I did a quick Google search... And and typed out the phrase, God will not give you more than you can handle. And, and and it was a reminder. I knew this at one point, but it just, you hear it so much that you think, oh, it's got to be in there. It's not in there. Yeah. That phrase, God will never give you more than you can handle, is not in the Bible. Yep. It's the same idea as, uh, you know, God helps those who helps themselves. Not in the Bible. Right. Right. And and people think it is, but but it's just not. And a quick, again, if you don't believe us, do a quick Google search. Just Google search. God will not give us more than we can handle. This verse will pop up. 10.13. Always, 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 always says temptation. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. continue. And, and we're going to make that distinction too. So, looking at common to man, it says, No temptation has overtaken you that is common to man. The Greek word common to man is anthropinos, or belonging to human beings. It is temptation that belongs to human beings, these natural things that are a part of our fleshly bodies, okay? So, having that in mind, no temptation has overtaken you that is common to man. Getting context, who is Paul speaking to? He's speaking to the Corinthians. Not just the Corinthians, he's speaking to the church at Corinth, which means he is writing believers. He is writing believers that have the Holy Spirit within them. Okay, now keep that in mind, because that is, that is very important going forward. These, these Christians, we, they have the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit within us. So, I apologize for my dog, by the way. That's I feel like it's louder today. I don't hear. Uh, so, next part. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. Now, this is where most people pick up, where people will look at and say, he will never give you more than you can handle. And what it really says is, he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape. That is the important part. It's together. 
It, it does. There's no period there. It, it doesn't stop. It says, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape. So we are talking about temptation. We are not talking about trials. So with the help of the Holy Spirit, you have the power to resist temptation. Every temptation that comes your way. Every temptation. Every one of them. And so we are going to jump to James. Well, let me just let me just throw out there real quick to to, to kind of bring this point home. You know, I, I'm looking through. I have pulled up on my computer here just, and I don't have an exact number, but I have a ton of different versions of this one passage. Yeah. And just what each of these versions say. And every single one of them, I haven't read every single one of them at the moment, but a lot of them, the most of them, have the word temptation in there, except for the message. Hmm. The message does not have that word in there. Let me read to you from the message. And, and this is where I think we, ha- we have to start, again, thinking about what Bible we're using. Because when we start using things like the message, we lose the true meaning of what, what God is trying to tell us and what yeah. Paul is talking to the Corinthians about. The message says this. No test or temptation that comes your way is beyond the, co- beyond the course of what others have had to face. I'm okay with that. I am, because it, yeah. it's, again, it's saying, this is common. Human, we all... Manly. We, everyone's dealt with it before. Yeah. It's nothing's new under the sun. Temptation. So on and so man. forth. All right. But here's, here's where it gets a little weird. All you need to remember is that God will never let you down. He'll never let you be pushed past your limit. Ooh. He'll always be there to help you come through it. So again, it, it points back to what version of the Bible you're using. We did an episode on that a while back. Go back and listen. Go to back it. and listen. What you're reading, word for word, thought for thought, or paraphrase, makes a huge difference and affects the meaning. Yeah. The intended meaning of of what's being said. Yeah. And, and yeah, it is so important. We actually might do another episode here in the, the month to come, kind of honing in on that just solidifying how important that is. Because knowing what, yeah, what translation you're reading, and is it a word-for-word translation, or is it a thought-for-thought, or is it a... Uh, paraphrase. A paraphrase of a paraphrase. Or a commentary, yeah. even. Yeah. I mean, I have a commentary sitting in front of me. Am I using that as scripture? Nope. Absolutely not. Nope. Right? This yeah. is the author's thoughts on what, based on his studies, what the Bible says. Right. And it's and, and no commentary is going to be perfect. No, com- all the commentaries are going to have some of their biases in them, and and some of their theological bends there. And, and you have to be careful. Again, it's just being discerning. Yeah, and yeah. understanding that ultimately, scripture interprets scripture, and ultimately, that's the ultimate authority. Yes. So, again, we're looking at temptation. We're not looking at trial. We'll we'll look at a, a couple extra. Scripture verses, but as of right now, let's go to James chapter 1, verse 14 through 15. We're going to pick this apart a little bit. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So, right here, we're, we're talking about if you have the Holy Spirit within you, you do have the power to defeat temptation. Why? This one is it. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Looking at our desires, our our fleshly desires, that this is a part of us that was a part of the image of God. God has desires. Jesus had desires. Uh, when he was tempted by Satan, what was Satan playing his temptation on? Well, he was playing it on one his fleshly desires, food, water, that's physical, physical, physical desires, his physical, human, fleshly desires. And it, it, looking at a rock saying, you could turn this to bread. You can eat right now. And that, that it was a desire of Jesus. It was. Why? Because he was man and he was hungry. But he, he was not only just man, he was fully God. So therefore, his desire stopped there at the temptation and it did not as we see later, then the desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. So, as we know, Jesus never sinned. So, that desire, playing on the temptation from Satan, was thwarted. The other desire being Jesus wanting to take his role. 
the role that God the Father has placed him there to do, and which he will take, and he took once he ascended into heaven, and he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. But the other one was when Satan took him on top of the temple and said, all this could be yours. All you have to do is bow to me. Now he was playing on the desire of God the Son, and God the Son's desire was to fulfill his full right. But Jesus, not having any sin, thwarted that temptation. He he got it was done, and his desire he knew is going to be complete through his Father. So he thwarted it right there. Now, playing back to us, we have desires. We have desires based on our flesh, but then we also have desires that are towards God. Now, that is because of the Holy Spirit. This is where we not, and I need to say that carefully, not that we have the power, but the Holy Spirit within us, it has the power to stop that temptation. Where, where it says in verse 14, but each person is tempted when his when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then the desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. As we see back with Adam and Eve, with Eve, this Satan was playing on Eve's desire. Now, she had not sinned yet. Her desire was of the fruit. Her the temptation itself is not the sin. Exactly. Temptation itself is... is exactly what it says it's temptation well it's, and it's, as it says it is yeah. common to man yeah it is common to man but it is when you act upon that temptation then it becomes sin i say this a lot on this podcast and i say it maybe once every episode or every other episode but my flesh apart from the holy spirit is diametrically opposed to god and his desires does that mean that non-Christians can't live a quote-unquote moral life. No, they can live a quote-unquote moral life. All non all non-believers are not murderers, rapists, thieves, you know, dredges of society. Right. But our fleshly desires are diametrically opposed to Christ and God and his standards. Period. Period. When we accept Christ, when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we now have dual desires. Yeah. Right? We have the desire to please God and the desire to say, hey, I want to be holy as he is holy. We also have the other desire that our flesh, that we are going to constantly battle our flesh until the day we die or until the day we are with him. So this verse in, in, in 1 Corinthians 10, 13 is talking about that war between our flesh, our desire to please ourselves, whether that is financially sexually, physically, whatever that desire is, for desire for power, desire for knowledge, desire that is that ultimately becomes sinful. That war between that flesh and that desire and the war between our desire that the Holy Spirit has given us to please him and to please God and to walk in God's ways and to do it his way and to surrender our lives to him. And we're going to keep discussing this, but that's what this verse boils down to that gets taken out of context so much. It's talking not about trials, not about the trials we see in James chapter 1, where it says, consider not joy when you face various trials. Nowhere in there does it say he's not going to give you more than you can handle. In James, never says that when talking about trials. Mm -hmm. He says that when talking about temptation. Because as a believer, as a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you that can fight that temptation on your behalf. Yes. Because your flesh can't. When given the choice between what God wants and what your flesh wants, without the Holy Spirit's influence, you will 10 times out of 10 pick the flesh. Yep. With the Holy Spirit, you might only pick the flesh 8 times out of 10. You <laughs> might pick it 7 times out of 10. But there's the ability to not pick it yes. at that point. Yes. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So... The point of not giving you more than you can handle, as most people would, would say, more accurately, um, not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will provide a way of escape. That is it. He will pro provide a way of escape. Now, a couple examples of, not, of God not giving you more than you can handle. Let's go to Paul. We're when it comes go to, to temptation. Second Corinthians. Right. No, just, oh, just, just in, general. in general. So the whole saying... God will never give you more than you can handle. This is why that's not true. Oh, okay. Thank you. Yes. 
So 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 8. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. So, the most important part out of this spot right here, besides letting them know that they despaired of life itself, he said, But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. The reason why using the term God will never give us more than we can handle is such a dangerous thing is that implies that you can handle it without God. And and I'm not saying everyone thinks that or believes that, but that is what you are saying. That's what you're implying, that God will never give you more than you can handle, which as we see right here. Me-centered and me-focused. It is. And as we see here, Paul is saying they they, dis, um, what's the, they despaired. They despaired of life itself. They wanted to die. But he said, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. We see all throughout Scripture, and we see it with Paul, and we, we see it where God tells us that in our weakness, he is made strong. Yes. He did not take the thorn out of Paul's side away from him because my strength is perfected in your weakness. Yes. So Paul had to stay weak. That kept him humble. It did. Well, that he thorn said that. in his side. He said that yeah. kept him humble to a point where he's like, I have to rely on him. Yes. I cannot rely on my own strength. I mean, I know for me, like when things are going well, there are times, you know, in the past where I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I got this. Right, and, and you start to think this is all because I've done this, this, and this, and and things are going well because I've been diligent here, and I've done, the, and you don't give that credit to God, and what happens is inevitably that rug gets pulled out from under you, and you realize, oh wait, <laughs> he had this from the beginning. This was these blessings were because of him, not because of my strength, and you know, in the last, specifically the last eight months, and then even in the last few years. That's a lesson I've had to learn over and over and over and over again. That on my own strength, I'm not going to make it. Yeah. And I wouldn't. I wouldn't have. Yeah. But because I was able to, in my weakness, allow him to be strong through me, the the attacks didn't ultimately break me. Right? Right. And I'm not saying that in a way of like, I'm stronger. It wasn't me. (laughs) Right. It wasn't me. Yeah. On my own that it would not have worked right. and I would have walked away. I would have fallen away. I heaven knows what I would have done. Yeah. Yeah. But in those moments of pure and utter weakness and despair, he showed up and he showed out and he said, look, you have to stay weak because I got you. And when you try to do it on your own, it ain't going to work. Exactly. And so, and yeah, just hounding it home. Uh, I'll read that second uh, Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse six, though, if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So, to keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. So Paul knew. Paul knew. I mean, again, he calls himself a Pharisee of Pharisees. He knew yeah. the law front to back. He was an apostle of the Most High God. And he knew that he could have gotten very prideful and very conceited. As much as he wanted this to be taken, which he asked God, please take this from me. And he says God didn't. He knew. He knew that this is a good thing. Again, all good things come from God. Right. So, this was a good thing that God gave me so that I do not become puffed up and conceited. So, to hound it home, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. 
We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Okay? It is so important to keep that in mind. Right. So, really, this phrase needs to more accurately be, God will purposefully give you more than you can handle, so as to rely on Him. Yeah. And it's it's this picture of the water is rising, and... Uh, it's coming above your mouth, above your nose. You can't breathe or you feel like you can't breathe, but he has given you a rock that all you need to do is push up on. And again, he is providing a way out. He's going to proverbially, I guess, bring the boat or a raft or something. Right. He is going to provide you a way out. Well, let's put it, let, let's put it practically here. Uh, and I'm going to hit on just your stereotypical Christian sin here, right? Pornography. You have a way, like, when you're tempted to look at pornography, for whatever reason, it's an addiction. Mm-hmm. It absolutely is. It yes. chemically changes the structure of your brain. It changes the chemical balance in your brain. Like, it's an addiction. So, if you are come out of that addiction, there's still going to be that twinge of like, hey, I can, you know, I can handle, I can handle one image. I can handle right. this, I can handle that. So, you're going to get tempted. It's going to happen. Yep. There's always a way out. He has given you that way out. I mean, practically speaking... Obviously, relying on the Holy Spirit to, to do this, but turn your computer off. Yeah, that's one. Unplug it. I mean, you could go so far as to fireproof it. I was, yeah. That, I was that, movie, <laughs> that really cheesy movie, Fireproof, where he just takes a baseball bat to the computer. Great movie. I've heard of people who have taken, who, who have had such an issue with it, they get rid of their iPhones or their Androids, Good and they go back phone. to a flip phone yep. that doesn't have everything at the palm of your hands. You know, you have different filters different accountability software where someone else someone outside of your house gets a report of what you've been to every day yeah and and sites you visited and stuff like that and so there's a way out and it's going to take the strength of the holy spirit giving you hey the strength to say no no no, i'm going to put these steps in place to prevent myself from going down this path again yeah there are practical steps to do this there is always a way out always a way out so you know, I, I've done some counseling and some accountability stuff with, with teenagers and, and just guys that are struggling with different different areas and different things. And we identify, we'll sit down and we'll identify, when are you tempted in these ways? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm tempted when I'm going to get ready in the morning. Okay. Here's what you do. Throw on Chris Tomlin. <laughs> right? Throw on some worship music. Yeah. Yeah. Saturate your heart and your mind with songs of praise. Yes. It, I promise you, it's really hard to go down a sinful path when how great is our God is playing. It really is because your 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 mindset is that I'm when I you know I'm tempted when I'm by home alone. Okay, start reading your Bible. Set that as part of your time to read the Bible. Yeah. Put steps in place. Call somebody. Say, hey, I'm struggling here. Or hey, I just need to talk to somebody for a little bit. Yeah. There is always a way out. Again, it takes the Holy Spirit to poke you and say, hey, dude, like. You're about to go down a wrong path. Let's yep. move it this direction. And he's going to give you options. Like you're going to, they're going to come to mind. Yeah. They're, these ideas of saying, hey, I can not, I can avoid this situation by doing this instead. Yeah. That's the Holy Spirit nudging you saying, hey, dude, stop. I'm giving you a way out. Listen. Giving you that way out. Yeah. So I want to pound home. God is going to give, God is going to give you more than you can handle on your own. Yes. Period. <laughs> just in my own life, yeah. <laughs> the last eight months, the last few years, being given more than I can handle on my own, and that's a combination of of God bringing people into my life to li- keep me keep me going, and God Himself keeping me going. Yeah, quit using this verse out of context, people. <laughs> you will face things you cannot handle on your own, but you know what you won't face. You won't face temptation you can't get away from. Yeah. And you can't defeat with the help of the Holy Spirit. Yes. And again, going back to Romans 12, uh, verse 2. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Where does the start of the transformation of the renewal of your mind start? It starts with scripture and it starts with prayer. And when you are feeling tempted, you go to the word, you go to God, you say, God, please help me. And guess what? He will. He will, because as again, we read in 2 Corinthians uh, 4, 7, or 4, 8, 
We were afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck, but not destroyed. You will be struck, but you will not be destroyed. You will not be forsaken. You will be perplexed, but you won't be, dis- you won't be driven to despair. God will provide a way out. And that is a perfect segue to Austin's next verse and the next topic that I have <laughs> and the, the little set of verses that I am going to use. Yes. So let's dive into your next one, because again, that's a perfect segue to what we're going to kind of talk about here in the next uh, portion of our show. So the next one, Jeremiah chapter 29. I would the- love to just read this whole chapter because <laughs> you have to read the whole chapter to get this context. Yes. But... Specifically verse 11, yes. I know is where you're going, and it is the most cross-stitched verse on pillows. Yes. It is on the most, it is the most, uh, oh, good night. Well, and to give it some, uh, I, I guess some context for us. I mean, I've, I have used this out of, out of context. Of course. Especially being younger in my faith. I, I mean, one, it is not taught in context, it, not usually. Never, ta- hardly ever. I, say, I, want, I want to say never. I've hardly ever done yeah, content. I've I've heard I mean now that I'm listening to better people, Paul Washer and stuff like that. I mean, it is more in context, which is great. Uh starting in verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me. You will seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. So, what is the context here? The context is Jeremiah, or God, God is speaking through the prophet Jeremiah to the exiles of Israel. God is speaking to the house of Israel, and more importantly, to those that have been exiled and have not died. They are still in exile. You have had some that have come back, but these are the ones that are still in exile, still in bondage, still trapped. God has Jeremiah speaking to them, saying, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. So, this is God referring back to the covenant he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, their forefathers. This is God remembering his covenant. He is saying, I know the plans I've ha- I have for you. I have made plans for you since the foundations of the earth. I'm going to keep my covenant with you. Yes. I'm going to do what I said I will do, which, again, you go back, all the way back to Abraham, make you the father of many nations. We're going to make you a prosperous nation. We're going to make yes. you the envy of nations. Like, you're going to bless this nation. Yes. And, and through you... All nations will be blessed. Yeah. So yes, he, but he's going back to that promise. He is yeah. not. He is not coming out and saying you're going to be rich. Yeah, it's not what he's doing. Right. I, and again, who is this written to? This is. I mean, a lot of scripture we can take for us. I mean, as it says in Second Timothy, that all scripture is breathed out for uh, reproof. It's uh, breathed out by God for teaching. So. We can take all scripture for teaching, but there are some scriptures that we can't necessarily take for ourselves. And this is one of them. Uh, so again, he's talking to Israel. Plans for welfare, or more accurately, for peace. God has planned peace for Israel. Not for evil to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So, again, he's saying, if you come for me, I will be there, but you have to come to me with all of your heart. Again, kind of a shout back to the the law, idolatry. You cannot have one foot on my side and one foot on one of your wives' idolatrous sides. It has to be to me. Jesus says it. you can't serve both God and mammon or and money. Yes. Verse 14, I will be found by you, declares the Lord. I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. And again, this is context. 
This is why it is not talking about us. It is talking about Israel. We see this throughout history. We've seen this uh, all the way back to Egypt. God put them there. Uh, He gathered them with Moses, led them to the promised land. Then you have the Babylonian Empire coming in. You have the Medo-Persians. You have the Assyrians. You have the Greeks. You have the Romans. Uh, Every time dispersing Israel. Why? Because, right here, God, I have driven you. God placed them there. Even to just within the past 70 to 100 years. I mean, looking at Nazi Germany and in the 40s, when finally they were able to come back to Israel and reform their nation. We say that I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. And so we've seen that. We've seen God restore their fortunes. We've seen God bless them. And this is why it is not talking to us. It is speaking of Israel. Now, give a caveat. As that we know that Israel was the the beginning of God's family, okay? Through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, starting that olive tree being the trunk. As it the olive tree grows and it starts to spread out, you have the 12 tribes of Israel. And it fans out into this beautiful tree. Why? Because it's God's. It's God's family tree, which he ordained. The roots being God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now, as we see in the New Testament from Paul, uh, even going through Romans, looking at the pruning, whenever the dead branches, the dead limbs would appear, God would prune them, allowing for new growth. That's what you do for a fruit tree. That's what you do for a tree. As we see in the New Testament, Christ came and he has provided a way for Gentiles, us. We are grafted into that family tree. We are grafted into the olive tree. And all those dead places that have been pruned off, God has placed us there. So we are a part of that family tree. But again, context, this isn't even talking about us. It's not new covenant It's not new covenant. It's not. Yeah. And God has not exiled us from heaven. I mean, we know that we are citizens of heaven, but we've not been exiled from heaven. So again, this isn't talking about us. This isn't talking about Christians today. This is talking about Israel from back in the time of Jeremiah. So just wanted to put that out there yeah. for you guys, and uh, we'll move on. And this it, this was one of the verses I chose as well without us discussing it beforehand. It's one of the ones I had <laughs> in my list, and I have a few on my list here. And I'm going to do something a little differently than Austin did. I'm going to read a bunch of verses now, and then we're going to go. Then I'm going to go back and talk about context of some of these verses. First one I was going to read was Jeremiah 29:11, and all my verses are going to have a theme. And this overarching theme is this prosperity gospel that has mm. overtaken our country. And it's not just this God wants you to be rich, although that is a big part of it. Yeah. It is the mentality that says God will never give you more than you can handle. Yeah. It's the mentality that says you God wants you to be blessed and wealthy and rich and prosperous. God wants you to not have all these problems. And and on some level, yes, God's ultimate will for us is to be with him in heaven where we will be wealthy beyond belief yeah. with it, not financially but just you know we'll have a mansion right talks about yeah. having mansions romans he's working all things out for good exactly so like there is some tr- just like a lot of these false gospels that are out there there is a little bit of there are nuggets of truth mixed in there has to be to make it believable exactly that's exactly <laughs> yeah. it and so yes god's plans for us yes does he desire us everything to be perfect and great for us yes and guess what they will be mm-hmm. but just not not this side of heaven and what we're what we see and what we've seen with I mean what we've seen with Elevation and Stephen Furtick, what we've seen with Bethel, what we've seen with Hillsong, what we've seen with Benny Hinn, Joel Osteen, Kenneth Copeland, all these false teachers. And yes, everyone I just mentioned I do believe is a false teacher. Yes. They might say a good thing every once in a while. Exactly. But what is it a but clock what, is? what we see is these feel good messages of God wants to strengthen you and bless you and keep you safe from everything and nothing bad's ever gonna happen. Again, nuggets of truth, but overall missing the point. And, and what's happening is people who take these prosperity gospels seriously are, are being led in the opposite direction of God. They're not being led because what happens? What happens when when what happens when you're told 
if you donate to my ministry, God's going to bless you tenfold. What happens when you're told that? So you do it, you believe it, because they say things that sound good, and they mix Bible references in there and scripture in there, and you give them money, and they buy their yacht, and you're still poor, going meal to meal, eating ramen noodles, paycheck to paycheck. What does that do to your faith? Well, my guess is it would kind of make you mad and be like, you know what? I'm not doing this anymore because it's not working, right? And and, and and you start to see this, well, if I can't believe what Joel Osteen says, or I can't believe what Stephen Furtick says, then I just can't believe the Bible. Right. And they just walk away. <clears throat> or I can believe anybody teaching Christianity. And that's not what this is. I mean, we're going to, and I'm going to get into this in a minute, but we see time and time again where God does not promise this and us an easy life. He doesn't promise us that. He promises us trials. He promises us tribulations. He promises us poverty. He pro- promises us pain, suffering, this side of heaven. Yeah. So I'm going to start with Joshua uh, chapter 1, verse 8. Ooh. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to read, I'm going to read these verses out of context to show you what some of these verses that people use to spread this prosperity gospel or spread this feel good gospel that doesn't teach truth. Right. Doesn't teach Christ crucified. It teaches love, which is good, but it teaches love at the cost of justification, justification sanctification, the process of becoming holy, yeah. the process of going through trials. It ignores those things. It only focuses on the warm, fluffy stuff right. or money, one or the other, or, or all. So Joshua 1.8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. And this is what... They pick out just the sentence even of this verse. It says, for then you will make your way prosperous and you will have good success. Hmm. Okay. Joshua 1.8. Another one that people take out of context and people use for the gospel or for the prosperity gospel. Isaiah 53 verse 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. And with his wounds, we are healed. And, and what this verse gets used for, they use that last phrase, and with his wounds, we are healed, to say that you will always be healed. If you have enough faith, you will be healed of all physical illness. And we just know that's not true. Yeah. And we're going to talk about what kind of healing that really means, that really is talking about here in just a minute. Let's go to Matthew chapter 10, verses 40 through 42. Whoever receives you receives me, and whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will will receive a righteous person's reward. So again, people use that verse to claim rewards from God based on accepting a prophet, which they will use to say Joel Osteen's a prophet, Stephen Furtick's a prophet. They're righteous. So we receive them, we receive their words, and then God's going to reward us for receiving those words. And these rewards that they are now using this verse to mean are, are financial rewards, are, yeah. are financial gains, wealth, prosperity. John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus talking, the thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. Mm. So again, they take that word abundantly, life and have it abundantly, and they make it mean wealth and prosperity and health and healing. And again, just warm, fuzzy, just, oh, this God makes me feel good all the time. And, oh, he just warm blanket of love and there's never anything wrong. Everything's, everything's always perfect. That's what they do. They deceive. So Philippians 4.19, this is my last one as of right now. And my God will supply every need of yours according mm. to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So again, people will use that verse and they will say that God's going to give you everything you want. We see in Matthew, we see in Jesus talking about asking, it will be given to you, right? Seeking, you will find. Yep. If you pray for things in my name, I will give them to you. I think we actually discussed that one Yes. in our previous episode. And so what, what these people are doing is they're taking these verses and they're saying, okay, we're going to pick out certain phrases of these verses. We're going to ignore the overall context. Yeah. Back in Joshua. Again, same thing with Jeremiah 29, 11. He is talking to Israel. Yes. And he's talking about the old covenant. He's talking about giving them the land that God promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yeah. He's not talking to us in that moment. He's not. He is not talking to us about this prosperity that he's going to give the people of Israel. That was old covenant language. It's not new covenant language. He's not... Granted, everything points to Christ. The Old Testament points to Christ. I get it. And I understand that. And they are interconnected, intertwined. 
But that specific verse, in that context, go back and read Joshua chapter 1 and see that he's talking to Israel. And he's talking to the people saying, I'm going to I'm gonna keep my promises. I'm going to yes. give you this land like I promised them. And you're going to be prosperous as a nation as I promised your forefathers. He is not talking to us physical, financial prosperity. He's yes. not. Let's look at uh, go back and look at Isaiah 53 verse 5 and, and talk about by his wounds we are healed. And a lot of people are going to take that verse and they're going to say, well, that means that because of Christ's death and because of what he did on the cross, I'm going to be healed of all physical ailments. In what way is that true? Let's just think logically for a minute. How do you explain those the people that you know that have died of cancer that are believers? Oh, they didn't have enough faith. Or they didn't pray enough. They didn't give enough money to these ministries. They didn't do this. They didn't do that. Honestly, people get cancer. Like it just it it it's a part of living in a fallen world. Yeah. There might be a greater purpose that God is trying to to bring people to Him through through tragedy through through loss of life. Maybe it's just time for that person to go be with Christ. Maybe it's that simple. It's their time is up. It's time to go be, go home. Yeah. Well, and and <clears throat> so Peter Peter references this <clears throat> in Peter First Peter chapter two verse twenty four. He says, "He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed." Even back then in the Old Testament, prophesying about Christ was not talking about physical healing. Right. He was talking about spiritual healing. That's exactly right. That's exactly and that's where I was going next. But Sorry. No, no, it's perfect. <laughs> that's great. Because it was. It, it what kind of healing is he talking about there in Isaiah? He's talking about healing your soul. Yeah. Being dead and being brought to life spiritually. Yeah. Right? You are healed perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. You now are able to withstand the temptation that is coming away because guess what? You now have someone working inside you that is combating those fleshly desires that will always oppose him. Yeah. And he is slowly taking the reins and dragging you into holiness and sanctification. Yeah. It's a long process that will not end the sight of heaven. Yeah. But you know, I, I made you know, I made the joke that I'm I'm trying to drag our worship team into the 21st century. <laughs> That's what the Holy Spirit's doing to us, though, right? Yeah. He has taken our flesh and trying to drag it. Drag. Kicking and screaming. Not draw. Not draw. Drag. Not, <laughs> not just gently tug. Yeah. <clears throat> this is a violent, violent action of him taking our flesh and pulling it towards himself yeah. and closer to him. It's painful. It hurts. We fall, we we scrape our knees, right? We get yeah. rope burn from the rope from the rope he's using to drag us. We whatever however far you want to take that analogy. <laughs> that's what's happening. Yeah. It is rough. I'm gonna read a couple quotes here. And and I know we're taking these out we're, we're the initial thought is to take these verses and read them in context, but my whole thing with this idea was like take verses that people use and be like, all right, this is not not necessarily go back and read every single one in context. I want you to do yes. that. But I want to throw some throw some water on this prosperity fire that we have burning right now in, in the Western church specifically. Yeah. The lies of prosperity, not the prosperity which God has been giving us. Right. But yes. Yeah. So let's look at uh, some quotes. I'm going to read a few quotes from a few different theologians. Uh, one of them, David Platt. And he's not everything. I don't agree with everything all these people say. Don't get me wrong. I understand David Platt's had some... David Platt has had some issues recently, so has John Piper. So I'm going to quote David Platt here. He says, quote, We are settling for a Christianity that revolves around catering to ourselves, when the central message of Christianity is actually about abandoning ourselves. So what we're seeing with these verses that I read, and, and people are using them and twisting them to mean that we are going to be prosperous, we're going to be healthy, we're never going to face anything tough, things are going to be great. That's not it. That's, that's me-centered. Right. It's all about what God can do for me. When in reality, we should be saying, how can I serve you? Yeah. It's not about me. It's all about you. This in book in the book of John. He must increase. I must decrease. Yeah. Die to yourself. Die to yourself. <clears throat> Take up your cross and follow me. You look at you look at Christ as he was on the road to the cross, on the road to Golgotha, and he was carrying his own cross. How humiliating that was, just from a human standpoint. Yeah. He's a man. He, he, is the, he is the manliest man who's ever manned, Jesus was, right? Mm -hmm. Or is. But, but when he was here on earth as a, in human form, he was the manliest man who ever manned. And as a man, he had to drag a cross up a hill. Yeah. Bloodied, naked, 
full in the world's eyes, full of shame. He was dying a criminal's death. So those who didn't know him and didn't believe in his message saw him as a criminal and were shaming him for that, spitting on him, pulling out his beard, just utter physical humiliation, psychological humiliation, emotional humiliation. All of that was being forced upon Christ. And what does he tell us to do? Follow him. Do the same. Do the same thing. Yeah. Take up your cross and follow me. Does that mean we're going to get beaten and stripped naked and paraded through the streets? No, not necessarily. I mean, maybe. Maybe, yeah. But not necessarily. Yeah. yeah. But it also doesn't mean that everything's going to be easy. It means things are going to get tough. Yeah. You're going to get dirty. You're going to get messy. You're going to get bloody. You're going to be ashamed. You're going to feel shame. You're going to be shamed by other people. You're going to be embarrassed. Things are going to suck. You're going to go through hell on earth. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. James 1, consider in all joy when you face various trials and tribulations. John Piper says, prosperity cannot be proof of God's favor, for it is what the devil promises to those who worship him. Austin mm-hmm. talked about that when, when Jesus was being tempted. All of this can be yours. Yeah. If you just bow and worship me. All of this can be yours. If the prosperity gospel were true... Austin and I, I mean, we're not perfect by any means, but Austin and I would be a lot more well-off than we are. Right. Because we're trying to do the Lord's work. And people like Will Will Smith and Chris Rock wouldn't be as rich as they are because they're not trying to do the Lord's work. Yeah. Right? It's backwards. So again, I'm just concerned about the state of Christianity in the West because of this prosperity gospel, because of this message of things being easy and a bed of roses. Well, what is it the poison says? Every rose has its thorn. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it may be roses, but it's also thorny and it's going to hurt. It's a terrible analogy, but I like it. I'm going to stick with it. <laughs> anyway, John MacArthur says the prosperity gospel movement offers people the same thing the devil os- offers. They just do so in the name of Christ. So when you see people using verses like the ones I've read, the ones I've alluded to, and you see them saying that God is going to give you everything you want and God is going to make this road so easy for you. They're lying. They're taking these verses out of context. And I'm before we finish, I'm going to read these passages again. And I want you to go back, and your homework is going to be go read the verses in context, because yep. we're not going to have time to get to all that tonight. Yeah. But the goal that I want you to set for yourself in this, and the challenge I have for everyone listening, is to take these verses that you have heard so often used in this way, used in the way of Jeremiah 29 11. Take verses like Psalm 46, verse 5 that you've heard over and over again and be like, okay, let's let's really read it. When you, here's a good rule of thumb. And I just, actually, this kind of just came to me. Here's a good rule of thumb. If a single verse is really, really popular, that should send up a red flag. Yeah, true. It should. Yeah. Because there are some exceptions to that rule, I do believe. But for the most part, if you're hearing sermons on one specific verse in the middle of a paragraph, sometimes in the middle of a sentence, right? Sometimes in the middle of a greater story, and it's one verse they're picking out, and then they're building an entire message around one single verse that is cross-stitched on pillows everywhere. That should send up a red flag. Think Not that necessarily they're doing anything malicious, but it's like, okay, what does it really mean? I mean, we heard, we've heard in the last few weeks... People using verses like where two or more are gathered. There I am in the midst of them. That's not, that, we don't use that correctly. Yeah. Right? When you hear people say things like, every time I read this verse, I interpret it differently. Mm. Mm. The, okay, the word is living and active, sharpening into a sword. So you're going to get insights out of it every time you read it. The Lord will reveal. The Lord will reveal different things to you every time you get, yeah. every time you read it. Yeah. But it still means what it means. And it still means what it means within context, within the proper context of of what is being written and the grander overarching theme. So another good rule of thumb that I like to say is scripture cannot break scripture. Yes. I think we talked about that in covenant training. Yep. Scripture is not going to break scripture. And so when you hear someone say that God wants to prosper you, and they're not talking about like blessing you in the next life. Yeah. They're talking about prospering you here on earth. That breaks scripture because everything Jesus says Everything Paul says, everything the whole New Testament says, and what people went through in the Old Testament contradicts that completely. Yes. That breaks scripture. I, w- I would like you to go tell that to Job. Hey, tell it, tell Job's it to Job. response would be. Tell it to 11 of the 12 apostles who were martyred, yeah. faced gruesome deaths. Yeah. Peter was crucified upside down. 
Yeah, go tell go tell Paul. Go have a conversation to Paul. Go tell that. Stephen that as he was being stoned to death yeah. for preaching the gospel. God does not promise us these these prosperous earthly possessions. Does he bless us? Absolutely. Are we blessed as Americans? Absolutely. Absolutely. Do I have millions of dollars in my bank account? No. But like, do I own my own house? Yes. And that is a huge blessing. Like oh, that yeah. is that is not something to shake your fist at. Am I rich? Absolutely not. When Com- it comes to com- American standards. Compared to some people, yeah. Compared to some people, absolutely <laughs> I am. Yeah. So yes, yes, there are blessings, but it's what we do with those blessings and also realizing that a couple things. One, those blessings can be taken away at any point yeah. by God. Job, exhibit A. <laughs> exhibit A, absolutely. And two, we're to be using what we're given to further his kingdom and to do his work. And again, in the midst of that, our lives will not be easy, period. Just won't. Yeah. So, Austin, you look like you have a verse for me. I do. <clears throat> what you got? So little, little, little words from a desert preacher named Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so this is John chapter 15, verse 18, and I will continue for a little bit. It says, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, because I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember, the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecute me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in the law must be fulfilled. They hated me without cause. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. So, uh, he's talking to the apostles, but that mentality of, the world is going to hate you. Why? Because the world hated Christ first, and everything we stand for is God. Therefore, the world will hate everything about us. And and here's the rule of thumb. If the world loves you, it's because you're worldly. The more that the world hates you is because you are getting and you are becoming more like Christ. So, rule of thumb. If everybody hates you... Um, you might be doing something right. You might be doing something <laughs> right. Yeah. And I'm, li- I'm living by that right now. Yeah. So Well, we, we see that in the episode we did last week where... These these thought these ideas and these ideologies are being taught to our kids that are so contrary to scripture that if you speak up against them, they're going to shout you down. They're going to try to shut you up. They're going to call you names, call you everything other than a child of God, and they're going to do that because they hate what you stand for. Yes, which you stand for the truth. You stand for morality, mm-hmm. not just the world's morality. You stand for God's morality. You stand for the standards that He has put into place. Standards of marriage, standards of gender roles, standards of just general living. Yeah. That what's are evil and what's not. What's evil and what's not. Exactly. So I'm going to go wrap this up with a couple things. First, I'm going to read through the list of scripture passages that I went through so you can go in and read them in context. Because we didn't really do that. We just kind of spoke about a general, here are verses they use and here's why they're wrong. But I want you to go back and read these within context. So Joshua 1, 8. So read Joshua chapter 1. Read it in context. Read yep. what the full book is talking, or the, the full chapter is. Jeremiah 29. Austin read a lot. Austin did that. He read it in context. But go back and read Jeremiah 29. The whole chapter. The whole yeah. chapter. Read Isaiah 53. Read Isaiah 53 and, and realize that that healing he is talking about is not a physical healing. It is a spiritual healing. That you are promised a spiritual healing yeah. by his wounds, not physical. Granted, he will physically heal you at, at some time. He you know, can. He, can, he can and he does. Yeah. But he also doesn't at times. John chapter 10, go back and read that one. Matthew chapter 10, go back and read Matthew 10 and read Philippians 4. And understand that these verses that people use to speak this prosperity lie into your life is exactly what it is. It's a lie. Yeah, It is leading people straight to hell. The prosperity gospel is leading people to hell. Well, what is it? The the road to hell is paved with good intentions? It is. (laughs) Well, and, And hell is full of quote unquote good people. Yeah. 
It really is. Yep. And and the contrast there is is heaven is full of horrible people. Yeah. Because we realize that we are horrible people. Yes. Period. In the eyes of God, we are maybe in the eyes of the world we're not, but in the eyes of God, when it comes to without being under the blood of Christ, yeah, we are terrible people. We are wretched. We are filthy. Yeah. Yeah. We are disgusting. We are worms. We are worms. And so, yet we are still the sons and daughters of the most high king. But God. Yes. Being rich in mercy. But God, in this world, you will have trouble, Mm -hmm. but take heart, for I have overcome the world. So, just be encouraged in a couple of things. One, be encouraged that, that, yes, some of the stuff we said is bleak, right? And and life is tough. We all know that. Welcome to the war. Welcome to the war. Christ is sufficient for you. In your weakness, he is strong. And we we do these types of episodes to, again, just pound home that, guys, context is key. Yeah. Reading the scripture for what it says is key because, granted, some of the, every now and then you're going to hear a verse out of context that really isn't a huge theological issue, but it points to a deeper issue yeah. and a deeper issue of are you interpreting scripture properly? Do you know how to read the scripture and say, hey, this is what God is saying, and this is not what God is saying? Like, yeah, yeah it, it's it, that's equally as important. Yeah, he is saying this, he's not saying that. Yeah, so. Go back, read in context, get yourself a good, strong translation of the Bible. Yes. Don't use paraphrases if you can avoid it. And maybe if you want to go be like, oh, hey, what would this sound like in modern day English? Maybe go read one. I don't know. Yeah. I have a hard time even justifying that. <laughs> well, and, and, so, and go back. One of our first few episodes was looking at translations. Yeah. And, and like we said, we're going to dive back into that. We're going to look at translations deeper and better. But we're also going to be looking at hermeneutics. Yes. We're going to look at how to best read through scripture and translate scripture. And um, we might go super in depth or we just get enough to get you started and then we can get deeper later, but it's coming. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you guys so much for listening. We hope this episode helps kind of shed some light on some of these verses that we commonly hear taken out of context. Do your own research. If you have any more suggestions, send those to us on Facebook or Instagram. And we'll be happy to, we'll do another episode of it. We'll do these episodes from time to time because there are so many verses we take out of context and, and it's important to get, get on the record of like, hey, this is how it's supposed to be yeah. interpreted. So give us any suggestions you have. Share us on social media. Share our, share our page. Share our episodes. Get these numbers up for us. We would love to grow, Lord willing, and, and expand our audience, expand our reach. For those of you who have joined us as new listeners and new followers on Facebook, thank you guys. I've, I've seen the numbers yeah. kind of jump up a little bit here and there. Welcome to the Rooted and Logos family. Yeah. So we're so excited you guys are with us. Uh, give us a five-star review on Apple if you have a second. You don't even have to write a review. If you want to, that'd be great. We'll read it. We'll read it. But if you <laughs> just want to hit that little five-star button, we like that as well. So thank you guys for doing that. We want to make this show easier to find. And it's going to take it's going to take you all. It's going to take us a little bit, but it's going to take... And God, of course. But I'm not... You know... <laughs> God dog it. Amen. That's not Amen what, you know what I mean. Like it's gonna. It's we're, we need you to help us with that. Yeah. Um, to get the word out there and, and get the show to kind of kind of uh, get a little bigger than than where we are. But uh, we're happy. I'll, I'll do the show to nobody. I don't even yep. care because this is fun. Brad and I'll do it to each other. <laughs> yeah, we'll just we'll we'll talk to each other about this every week and yeah. just put it out there for f- two people to listen to. But no, we we do our numbers have kind of yeah. stayed consistent. But we want to kind of start climbing the hill a little bit and yeah. see where we can go with this. But um. Thank you all so much for, again for all your support. I've had a few. I've had more people in the last couple of weeks actually talk to me about this podcast me than, than yeah. it has been. So I know people are listening, and we thank you. Like yeah. we love you guys. That's awesome. We'll see you guys next week. We're going to dive back into Romans, Romans chapter fourteen. Yeah, next I'm week. excited about this one. It's going to be a good one. So we're going to dive into that. We look forward to that. And uh, in the meantime, stay, stay rooted. rooted. See you next week. <laughs>